Royston all to feel us in devotion, the Wrexham AFC fans podcast sponsored by the Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant. Uh, we've all been saying there would be lots of twists and turns in this title race and that sure happened this weekend. Uh, before we discuss that though, we've got a special guest on to discuss it. Two big news for Wrexham women's football team tonight, Tim. Yeah, they have captured the Gennaro Adran North Championship by absolutely thrashing Real 11-1. So massive congratulations to them, uh, Steve Dale, the entire team, the backroom staff, they've just done a massive job. Gemma Rowan, obviously in charge of the women's uh, section there. But yeah, absolutely brilliant. And obviously the owners have, 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 uh, have shown their commitment to the women's game as well at the club. And, and this is just a huge step on what they're trying to achieve really in, in terms of top flight, top flight football for, for Wrexham women. So yeah, massive congratulations to all of those. Um, I can't remember who got what. I think there was a couple of hat-tricks in there. Um, Rosie Hughes is definitely amongst those hat-trick heroes. Again, pretty standard for her. Um, I don't know how many goals she's got this season, but it's a lot. It is a lot. We were going to try and get them on, but um, my understanding is they're all having a few uh, celebratory drinks at a uh, well-known pub attached to the Kairas, known as the Turf. And rightly so, too. We wouldn't want to interrupt their celebrations. But, yeah, massive congratulations to them. Brilliant news. Um, but going back to the to the men's team, Andy, twists and turns. Massive day in the title race yesterday. Oh, it could have been. It ended up not being so much. Uh, you know, what, what did you make of that? Uh, that uh, those two results for, for Notts and for us? Uh, first first game, obviously, we're in the pub before, before the uh, Maidenhead game we're all sort of hanging hanging around the table looking at someone's phone um trying to get to get what county you're doing and you know we were in a good mood you know it burst into song you're thinking right this could be this could be this would be good if we managed to win and we did not manage to win um it was a very bitty performance i think um maidenhead devonshire us they uh expose our weaknesses i feel a bit sorry for for max and and the, and the new lad ryan down down the right because they were definitely targeting us there especially in the second half they had quick players who moved in inside you know ryan bennett it's his uh, barnett sorry it's his first it's his first game he's not particularly a, a wing back and i think he struggled a little bit max gets targeted all the time max usually comes through it um, I think yesterday it was tough for both of them, but obviously the main talking point is what happened at the end. Uh, you guys saw it on TV, so maybe maybe you have your sort of uh, feeling on it first, Reese. What did you think? I mean, it looked to me like indecisiveness from Howard. Um, you know, it was clearly a, a mix-up. It's difficult to tell from far away and on telly, obviously, what the communications were between the players, but... Quite clearly, I think the defence were expecting Howard to come out and to claim that uh, he kind of halfed it and then sort of went across the ball, which just left a gaping hole um, for the goal. So, I mean, obviously it was gutting, um, you know, and I think I think you're right in terms that we didn't we didn't deserve to win the game nope. in, in, in that way. We didn't play well. Maidenhead nope. really stifled us. You know, when, when we went one up, 
it had been all Maidenhead. You know, that was the first chance we'd had. And, you know, the equaliser as well. Nice little set play, but we didn't really do much to open them up all throughout the game. And that will that's no change to, to when we visit Maidenhead over the last few years, to be fair. It's a difficult place to go. And I think, oh, you know, so at the end... Tight. It's, it's so such exactly. a tight little pitch. Yeah. And, but also as well, I think, you know, at, at the beginning of the day, if you said to me, well, you'll match Notts County's result today, I'll go, yeah, no problem. That's great. I'll take that. Obviously, the manner that has happened with Notts getting a late equaliser, us conceding a late equaliser, it's it's frustrating. But I think important to keep some perspective at these moments uh, and not panic as usual and, and, and lose our heads like Liam was in the WhatsApp group last night. Liam, you did lose your head. So, you know... If Leighton does have COVID, he might not. He not. He might not play on Tuesday. Are you comfortable with Howard in goal again? Do you think? Do you think his confidence has been knocked a little bit by by what happened and and the reaction to it? He looked absolutely devastated at the end. And I think the first thing to say is, that on a personal level, no one wants to see you know that happen to one of our players. But the fact is, if it did, and you know, if if Leighton's well, I'd I'd want him to be playing, but. If he's not, I mean, who who out of us really knows enough about the you know the backup keepers to say with any confidence if you'd want them to start over Howard? I think he's, you know, he's done enough over the course of you know the season as a whole. He hasn't cocked up every match. It's you know, I would. I'm trying not to dig myself a hole here, basically, but <laughs> dig it, think, dig it. I'm going to dig it for you in a minute. Dig it. I think. I, I think. I, what I would say is, I think it's. Let's not throw the baby out with the bat. I think that you can overreact here because, yes, it was a mistake and it was Howard's fault. But, God, I've seen worse howlers. I've seen worse yeah, howlers yeah. from people like oh, oh. Chris Maxwell, from keepers that yeah. have done great stuff for us. So let's not lose our heads over something that was, a, was yeah, he should have done better. But, you know, mm. I've seen Max Cleworth make mistakes this season that were as bad as that that have led to goals. Max Cleworth, yeah. you know, and, and we don't lose our heads with him and rightly not. The, re- the reason why this is worse and the reason why some of the vitriol was was what it was yesterday and it was ridiculous and it was embarrassing and, and I felt stunned by some of it, to be honest. The reason it was so bad is because of the moment it was in the game. It was so late on. We're almost on the cusp of winning three points, stealing a match on, on our rivals who've dropped points. On top of the fact Rob Lainton produced a worldie several days earlier against Chesterfield. All those components combined are going to have an effect on Howard. I feel massively sorry for him. Um, he's kept, what, 13 clean, seat, clean sheets this year. He stopped us from getting a pump in at Notts County earlier in the season with four or five decent saves. I get what I get. What people are coming from in terms of Leighton. Uh, I remember I got pelters for, for putting um, out that I thought Leighton should have stopped that Billy Sharp shot at Sheffield United. I still stand by that. I still think he should have saved it. However, Goalkeepers make mistakes. It's it's that's the life of a goalkeeper. I don't know whether you appreciate appreciate me saying this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I dropped him a, a message yesterday, Mark Howard, and um, he was like, you know, it, it was defensive mix up, and it's always the goalkeeper that comes off looking worse, and it does happen. Um, and obviously, fights his corner, and and, that, and that's fine. And he just says, you know, it's not the it's one of those things. That's the life of a goalkeeper, isn't it? You're always going to be under the spotlight. You, is that what is that what Howard said? The defensive yeah. mix-up. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not. I don't want to create an issue there because I've looked look back at it, and Tunnicliffe looks like he's got it covered. 
then he then he recalls and decides oh, it's 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 Howard's. Yeah, they think the keeper are gonna. That, they think yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but ultimately, it's a mix of what one down the track. And as much as it ultimately he's held accountable for it and he knows it, it still passes through ten players to get to him. You know, that's a switch off. That's a collective switch off. And yes, he falls foul of it. He's the one that cocks it up, and he knows that. But I just what pisses me off. And it still is pissing off clearly that we we are digging out players at a crucial time of the season. Keep the recriminations for the end of it. It's not going to do anybody any good. It, we've seen it with Dibble, and Dibble went on record in the documentary to say how much it affects it, people's confidence. Yeah, and that's a fact, and we can't afford to do that at this point of the season. We just can't do it. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think as well, especially with what we've just heard from Tim. Defensive mix-ups, we don't know who is at blame. They will be having their own inquest, rightly so, yeah. because they've been so tight all season. They'll be working out, okay, maybe Tundercliffe will go, will go, you know what, I should have been more vocal and called you out. Maybe Howard, maybe they won't agree. And maybe at the end he'll go, well, we'll agree to disagree and move on. But what doesn't help is exactly what Tim says, is people losing their minds and saying he should net, he's a disgrace. To this. I've seen some bizarre comments for, for a, a, a real borderline um, defensive. Reese, mi- can I just come up. in on that? Because yeah. I showed I showed the video to to my girlfriend's brother today and said uh, said uh, a bit of a howler this and he looked at it and he went what howler I can't see anything yeah. there there you, you go know, from the layman coming in with no sort of baggage about Howard or about about how good anyone is or anything like that he goes all oh, right uh, I just thought it was a good finish well there you so, go how you know, how how isn't that doesn't that say a lot about how perceptions color what we think. And you know, this, I think... this isn't the first time it's happened, is it? I mean, Ollie Palmer hasn't scored for what, seven or eight games now since altering him away, I think. Um, and there was a few knives out for him a little bit, but he gets a bit more of a, of a, of a, of a hole pass because of the impact he's had since he's come into the club. Um, and there's then we have these things like, oh, well, ever since he started that clothing line, he's not been the same player. What planet are you on? What planet are you on? To even and like other people say, oh, I wish Mark Howard would, would, would piss off back to his podcast. What are you talking about? It, 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 that, it, in his head, he's not thinking, oh, who am I going to have on my podcast next week in the 94th minute? <laughs> Nonsense! Stop talking rubbish! Tim, please I don't know about anyone else, but being on this podcast affects my performance in work. So, you know. <laughs> in, in work? <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim, great, uh, great point there. Uh, Sorry. Apology, apologies Sorry. to everyone who is listening with headphones. Um, I've, I've just fallen off my soapbox. <laughs> no, but good point. And look, we're all frustrated, aren't we? Um, and that's natural. But let's oh, not overreact. Yeah. It's a tough place to go. It, it, also, there's going to be ups and downs in this. Of course. You know, we should be 10 points clear at least. But County are great. And County, if we weren't there, should be... 10 points clear as well. It's 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 an abnormal season. It really is. And isn't it great that we've got two brilliant sides going hell for leather at it. And you know, and if we get promoted as champions, we bloody deserved it. It ain't been a walkover. We've had to fight for it. And it's there will a, be up, there will be downs. It's not an if, isn't it? I mean, I've never been more confident promotion than I am now, whether that's top spot, whether it's not top spot, because the gap tells its own story. It's, it's we're light years from where we were this time last year. Forget the Grimsby game, it was a nominally. We're fine. We're going up. Get used to it. 
Before we get our guest on to discuss the title race, uh, we also, of course, lest we forget, had a fantastic win at the race course this week against Chesterfield. Tim, great atmosphere, wasn't it, after uh, the rallying cry last week? Yeah, it was really, really good. Um, really good. And, and I, I think I think the fans carried that onto Maidenhead, to be honest. They're really, really raucous. Loads of flags out in full force. And this kind of ties in with what I've just been going on about. If We've only got 11 matches left. We'll blink and it'll be gone. It'll be pre-season and we'll be back at it, hopefully preparing for, for League Two. So we've got to make every part of this count. I thought the Chesterfield atmosphere is brilliant from... I think there was like maybe a little tiny lull in the second half, but that was about it. But overall, it was just brilliant, really good, mimicked the sort of FA Cup games. And that's what we need now. We, we need that home and away for 11 matches. It's going to be amazing at Halifax because of the, the 4,100 that are going there, but we need that at Dagenham, we need it at Barnet, we need it at Bromley, um, wherever else we're going, Torquay, and then and then the home matches. that Just, just keep at it and, and try and not, get on any of the players' backs, any of the players' backs. That includes Cluworth, that includes Howard, that includes Lee. It includes all of them. And it includes the management and your fellow fan. So let's all pull in the same direction. Yeah, well said, Tim. And a really, really good performance, I thought. Obviously switched off a little bit at the end, but, you know, we could easily have won by a couple more. Mullin, you know, uncharacteristically, missing two decent chances. So it could easily have been 4-1, 4-2. Um, and interesting that Chesterfield got a win yesterday, Andy. Are they, I think they're back? No, no, they're shot. Um, they, they're I don't mean the title me. race, to be fair. I just mean, they, I, I wouldn't want to meet them in the playoffs. That's all I, you know. They've got a reset. They've got a reset now. That's what that's what they have to do. Um, they, they know they're at the title race, which actually could be, could be a blessing for them. They just need to make sure they cement themselves in the, in, third place uh they get one one shot through to 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 the final end and yeah you know on their day they are dangerous i thought i only saw the second half of of the game on tuesday and i thought they had some really good passages of play i thought they cole clough's a, a decent decent little player um he looked really know. sharp he looked really yeah, yeah. good good can sign you, can, you, can you do an impression of paul cook andy uh hello i'm paul cook no, uh, I, don't, I don't know who he is. Uh, I don't, I, he's a scouser, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, mate. I'm Paul Cook here. Is that all right? Is that what you, you want? You haven't seen any of his post-match interviews, have you? It doesn't matter. Never mind. No, well, I, I didn't this week, mate. I'll be, I only just got touched down a couple of days ago, so I haven't really. It's like multi personality disorder in Paul Cook's uh, match presses is unbelievable. But, but Andy, what, welcome back. Like... You missed that. You missed the the best test match, didn't you? I missed the last day of the best test match. You, you went to all foot. You went to the, you went to the rest and then missed that. Yeah, yeah. I miss. I missed the last day. Yeah. Oh, still. Well, they you, lost. So I, I mean, suppose they that's... lost. They lost. Yeah, we've got a special guest coming with us. It's uh, BT Sports pundit uh, Adam Virgo, who was commentating on the game yesterday. Adam, before we sort of get into the title race, what did you think about yesterday? Well, I was more surprised you called me a special guest. <laughs> <laughs> An old friend. An old friend. There we go. There we go. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yesterday was, I think it's always going to be the way I think the season's going to go. I said on a tweet midweek that even though... 
points will be dropped this season. Both sides cannot go through the rest of this season undefeated. They can't go and win every single game. But then it's really down to the timing of when you drop points and can you capitalise on that. And that was probably my point that I made for yesterday's game, that Wrexham knew what they had to do. But Maidenhead's a, it's a horrible place to go to. You, you know, Wrexham seemed to have a little bit of a, a hard time going there. Um, but I think that they're the moments in the season that you look at when you have to capitalise, if Notts County, capitalise on Wrexham dropping points, on the vice versa. Because, to be honest, a lot of your games and Notts County games are going to be on BT, so they're going to be at different times. So yeah. I think it's going to be really key in terms of who capitalises on each other's mistakes. And, and yesterday was a prime example of Wrexham um, having an opportunity and chance to uh, to go and take the three points and still have the game in hand and, and have a few points in the bag. But, you know, unfortunately, the, the result didn't quite happen for them. Uh, so next question then. I mean, how, how good is it for BT to have such a great title race? And, and, and you know, we, you've got a lot of the games coming up. Can you see a particular pitch, pinch point for either side? The sort of home or away match where you're sort of thinking, well, that could that could be a real sort of uh, a real sort of pinch. You know, no, sorry, not a pinch point, a real sort of two two way really. Yeah, I mean, there's the. I, I, to be honest, before I, we did Notts County last week and we did Wrexham this week, and I literally tried to guess where the points would be dropped, and I gave up after about three games because it's just so unpredictable in terms of what the National League is about, in terms of how difficult things are. You know, teams fighting for their lives, teams going into those playoff positions. And listen, let's take nothing away. These two sides deserve to be promoted. And this is probably the best example of why we should have more than two being promoted. You cannot be on a points per game prediction over 100 points and still maybe one of you not being promoted. Because I... I've said this to Adam, I've not said it really on air or anything, but I fear for the team that don't get promoted that they might not get promoted because it'd be such a, a come down and to go again. I, I don't know. I think there'll be other teams with different kinds of momentum. You know, you look at your Barnets in there and your Wokins, they're, they're horrible teams to be playing against. And um, I, I just fear for the side that don't win this league that it's going to be a difficult playoff scenario. But um, certainly for the neutrals, it's, it's fantastic and great. But in terms of trying to guess where points are going to be dropped and where um, points are going to be won, you know Wrexham at home are going to pick up a lot of points. It's where they're going to drop them down away from home. And um, and, and yesterday was that to prove. But listen, one mistake, that's that's what happens because it was, it was a simple goal. I've seen Wrexham concede goals like that before the ball down the middle. Um, but, you know, I think in fairness... I thought Maidenhead gave a good account of themselves. I thought they did yeah. pretty well. Um, I, you know, you have to give credit sometimes to the opposition. Um, but once you get that 2-1 lead, I, I felt that Wrexham should have had enough to see get, see the game out. But listen, that, that, that that's football in a nutshell, really. I mean, look at the result today in, in the Premier League. You just, yeah. you just no never know. So, um, yeah. But they're two big teams as well. And, and I think that's what makes this title race for me. I've been almost doing this 10 years now. This, this is by far the best title race in in a long, long time because of the stakes that is involved. Neither side do not want to be a National League side next season, Wrexham and Notts mm. County. They're, they're too good for this league. They're too, you know, as much as we enjoy having the big seat, the sides in the National League, I think, you know, sometimes it's like saying goodbye to your kids. It's like there will become a time when they have to move on and we have to kind of accept that. But, you know, for the neutral, it's, it's fantastic. 
Uh, very quickly, just because we've discussed it, as an ex-defender, do you blame the keeper for, for the oh, equaliser yeah. yesterday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. I think he's made a couple of mistakes this season. I think you've got to see that danger a lot quicker than what he did. And I think he saw it and then he hesitated, thinking that Ben was going to get there. And then Ben looked at him and vice versa. At the end of the day, the goalkeeper can see everything in front of him. He can see the pace of the ball. And if he had committed to that and taken Ben out, and taking the player out and just cleared the ball quickly as possible, then we wouldn't be having this conversation. You would not be asking me this question. I think the slight hesitation allowed um, Mainhead to go through and, and, and get that little touch. And whenever you've got, whenever you're facing towards your own goal, your goalkeeper is more dominant than what you are because you've got players behind you that you cannot see. The goalkeeper can see the whole picture. Um, and I think when you see the goalie's reaction afterwards, you know deep down that, he knows that he's made a mistake and listen, this happens and, you know, Rob's back in the side, Rob's back in the frame. Would I, I think he's a better goalkeeper personally, in my opinion, but I think I know he's been out injured and um, that can take a lot out of you. And I think it was almost a career ending injury, which I think makes things slightly different in terms of how you come back from that. Um, but listen, the, these mistakes happen and, and yet, and you have to move on. But I, I, if I had to be critical, I, I, w- I would have put that down as a goalkeeper's mistake, yes. Adam, it's, is this title race essentially the thing that's going to ru- rubber stamp two up automatic promotion spots? Because surely it has to be, doesn't it? I know there's been, there's been loads of discussion about this over many, many years, but because of the points tally of the top two and the gap that then sinks down to third to seventh, surely this has to rubber stamp uh, the the biggest credible argument for two automatic promotion spots, surely. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great point, Tim. I think that the, the the National League now is as professional. Yes, we've got a couple of part-time teams in there, but when you look at the teams that get promoted, we very rarely see them back down. And when you see teams relegated from the Football League into the National League, it's very hard to get back out. Um I think the two down was a protection of the league. Now, I can't quote in terms of when that was introduced because once upon a time, the National League was a part-time league and that was a league that if you went down, you'd be trained on Tuesday and a Thursday and you'd have to go and find another job. Times have changed since then, you know, and I think when you've got four automatically promoted from League Two into League One and four relegated, I don't see why not. You cannot sacrifice a promotion place in League Two to offer it as a relegation place because the National League now is as secure as ever. When you get through a pandemic like they've done and they've come out the other side stronger than ever, then that to me says everything about where the National League and non-league football is because National League North and South as well, they're really competitive, those two leagues. And the teams that get promoted into the National League from North and South equip themselves very, very well. And when you look at the bottom of the league at the moment, when you look at your Oldhams and your Scunthorpes, they're down there, Yeovil are down there. Listen, this is a really, really tough league. And when you see teams like Dorkin holding their own, when you see teams like Wildstone holding their own, Woking, the, the league has dramatically changed. And I know that, you know, the, the, the old analogy that to- turkeys won't vote for Christmas and stuff, but I, I completely agree with you. That there has to come a time now when you look at finances in the National League, when you look at what the players are being played, what, you, what you're looking at the days of the week that they train, when you look at the crowds that have turned up to National League games now. I, I remember last year, I think it was last year, I looked at the top seven of League Two and I looked at the top seven of Le- uh, the National League when they went into the playoff situation. 
I reckon there's Bolton and Tranmere that I would say were probably bigger sides that were in the National League playoffs and stuff. The rest of them, I felt that there was bigger sides when you've got Notts County, when you've got Halifax, when you've got Stockport, when you've got Wrexham, those teams, Grimsby. There were bigger teams in the National League that were sat in those playoffs than what they were sat in those playoffs in League Two. I th- I'm hearing rumblings that they're looking at it, but how, how far that's going to go, I don't know. But if this season doesn't um, nail home the three up and three down, then then I never know when a season will, will be able to offer that opportunity to be seen like that. Couldn't have put it better myself. I thought you might say something along those lines. So if not this, if not next season, maybe the season after. We'll it, has to, it has to be. The, the, you can't keep ignoring it. It, it. It's been there season after season. You know, Bristol Rovers have done double promotions up there. You know, Salford are up there this season. Um, teams have gone up there. And yeah, of course, teams are going to struggle. You know, Harrogate and Hartlepool have done. But they, they've always held their own. Look, Sutton got to a... a Papa's John final and being around the playoffs, I think they missed out on goal difference last season. So mm. the, you know, the boys that are going up now, you know, if Wrexham or Notts County get promoted, I won't see them ever again. You know what I mean? That, and that's and that's and that's the honest truth about it. Um, so I, I think there should be a clarity now that the four up from the League Two, one should be sacrificed for the National League because teams get promoted, relegated to the National League. It's a disaster to a certain extent, but it's not the, you know, it's not the end of the world because the finances are there. You don't have to change too much in terms of part-time and you have to go and get another job. So the stability of league clubs coming into the National League is there. Back onto the title race. Um, what's your gut? Well, I think I'll be a brave man to be on a Ruxin podcast and say Notts County. And if I speak to him <laughs> week, week out, he might be taking my calls if I say no, Notts County. We like being um, the underdogs. We'd, li- we'd love that. <laughs> Listen, I need to get my credit up with Wrexham fans. So I can't say they're Notts County. Oh, it's be, too late. Uh, it's too late. Same again. <laughs> Aaron McLean's getting all the stick now. So, I'm, I'm happy about that, him taking on my mantle. Um, I, I think it's, I think Wrexham are in pole position. I just think that their home record is so strong and it will take, a, I don't know if I can say it, a bloody good team to beat them at home. And I, I'm not just saying a bloody good team to beat them. And it might be the Notts County game that it comes down to. But um, when, when I look at, and I think I, I look at little situations during the season, like Jordan Davis coming back from injury, a key stage of the season now to him be back involved. I think Dolby coming in for Palmer, I think it shows that they can play, you know, they can rotate those those front two because Mullins never going to get dropped, but those two can be changed. I think that Mendy back in the, you know, there's there's certain situations, you know, Lainton back into the situation. The, the squad there is now, and Andy and I have spoken about this, that I felt for a long time, Notts County probably had the better, better start in 11 and Wrexham have got the better squads, but now... I think with the squad rotation that Bill's used every now and then, I, I, I've said Wrexham at the start of the season, and, and I'm not going to change my mind about it. Even after yesterday, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't see a nervous performance from them. I didn't see a nervous performance from them. But I just thought. I thought first half they were pretty slow out the blocks and didn't quite get going. But then I thought second half they they were pretty comfortable. And if it wasn't for one long ball, I mean you hit the crossbar three minutes before, and then all of a sudden it's in the back of your net. But I think that, you know, Tony Cliff, I think when Hayden's back, hopefully sooner rather than later, he's going to be another acquisition. You know, you've got Cannon in there as well. Um, so for me, I, I, I can't really see past Wrexham, but I think the annoying thing about Notts County, they're just not going away. And I think my concern is, and I've said this to Andy a couple of times, that in the really, really big games, Wrexham have sometimes failed. 
in the really big games, in the promotion, you know, last season against Grimsby, when I think Dagenham games, when they should have, they needed to win. Um, you know, I think the, the trophy final, that was that was a hard one to to overcome because of the result the week before. But I think there's a winning mentality now at Wrexham. And I think there's a real good factor that they can play in front of that race course ground and be comfortable. You know, they push Sheffield United all the way in the, in the, um, in the FA Cup. Um, and I just think the quality will always come to the top. I think so. I think it'll always come to the top. And you've arguably got the best player in the league in, the, in, in, in Paul Mullen. Um, and with Davis back fit again, Elliot Lee playing really, really well. I just think when I look at both sides, I think that Wrexham have just got the little edge on, on Notts County. If you could pick a uh, five-a-side team made up of Wrexham and Notts County players, who's in it? Christ. Um, five Not Howard. <laughs> you know what? I don't, I, I don't rate both. I don't rate both goalkeepers. <laughs> I don't. I don't rate slow. Well, you, 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 you can play with. Uh, you don't have to have a goalkeeper if you don't um, want it. If I had to pick one of the, I'd pick Lainton in goal. I Good. would go. Oh, this is really tough. Um, Hayden. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's Rodriguez, good. David. No, actually, I'll go Young. I'll go Young, Mullen, and Lang- Langstaff. Is that fine. We'll be in that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's pace, power, Adam, precision. Adam, last one from me. Uh, let's go back to your career. Your defender for Bristol Rovers. Um, you've got a striker coming in. It can only be either Langstaff or Mullen. You can only have one. Who do you want? I don't know if you read my tweet last night. I said that I said that about the two. I, I I think when I saw Mullen yesterday, he scores a range of goals. He scores with his heads. He's he's a predator in the box. I think in terms of the all-round striker, I think I would have Paul Mullen ahead of listen, Macaulay Langstaff's a fantastic player. I think that, you know, I can't I can't disagree with what I think he's one of those players when he goes into a better team, he will score goals because he makes those runs when you play with better players and no disrespect to the players he's playing with. They're good players, but I think, I think he will move on to a, a league one or championship side. And, you know, I think he's a step up from Shimanga in terms of his quality in front of goal. But I think when I look, when, if I was in a, if I was in the Wrexham side and I looked at different scenarios that we go into in terms of playing away at Maidenhead, playing at home against Notts County, Paul Mullen, for me, is the complete striker um, in terms of he can head the ball, he scores with his head. He's, he had a great chance with his left foot yesterday, great chance with his right foot. Um, and I think just at, at each stage of his career, his experience is, is second to none for me. And he's really, t- you know, it's not easy being a striker at Wrexham. It's not, it's, I, you know, they, they've struggled over the years to try and find that number nine or number 10 to, to really take the mantle. And that's probably what's been missing since I've been watching them, they've never really had a good striker in terms of putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, but now, listen, they, they finally found one. So if I had to pick one out of the two, I would pick Paul, just in terms of his experience, but he's all-round gameplay. You can play the ball long up to him, he can hold up, he can work hard without the ball. His work rate is is phenomenal, but so is McCauley's. They're, they're really, really tight call. But if I was a National League manager and I had the choice of either, I'd, I'd be picking Paul ahead of McCauley just at this moment. Cool. Um, I think that's it. The last sort of thing, Adam. This England C thing. Would you would you be would you be surprised if uh, Langstaff and, and and Dolby dropped out, or is it a great honour yeah, to play? It, yeah, you know, there's yeah. The, listen. Uh, it, I think it's always a privilege to play for your country. 
I think it's something that players would um, be honoured to do. And and I, and I and I you know I don't want to respect the the England badge like that. But when you've been under 23s for certain, all of a sudden they change it. So then there's a catalogue of players now that can be selected. I, I was a much bigger fan of the the younger age group. I I get it that I understand that they want to open it out and 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 have a a really strong. But you're not going into competition. You're not kind of you're just playing friendlies. And if you if this was a, to go and play against I don't know Germany or and you're going into a Euros or a World Cup when you're playing against non-league sides, but do you know what I mean? I think that would change things slightly because that would be a totally different situation. But I, I would feel if I went up to the England Sea and got in, seriously injured or missed a few games, then I, I would be more disappointed in terms of missing the running for Wrexham or missing the running for Notts County. I can understand why England want to pick them. So I think the clubs will have to be quite cautious in terms of how they approach this. But I th- listen, the, the, the chance of going into the Football League and being the Football League side is, for me, a much, much bigger picture. That, And there'll be other opportunities for other players to, to be given that that might be a National League player next season. So I think that it would be calculated in terms of the way that they approach them in the way that both managers go back to, to England and say, do you know what, can, can we just be honest about this and say that we, we need the players to play? And if the players do go, then I would just, <laughs> just be as cautious as possible. But I, I would be slightly hesitant to allow my players to go out and, and be involved in England C at this stage of the season, purely on the basis that things are so tight and you need everybody you know, if, yeah. if Notts County lose Langstaff, that's game over. You know what I mean? So it'll be a bigger loss for Notts County than than Wrexham. But you know, Mullen's been touted for a Wales call up, so it's it's a yeah. it's a it's a hard situation. But for him, I think that'll be harder to turn down because Wales have qualified for Euros and World Cups. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's the wrong time of the season. Adam, thanks so much for for, for dialing in. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Cheers, Andy. Thank you, boys. Thank you. The title race on on, uh, BT Sport. Cheers, boys. Take care. Thanks to Adam Virgo for his time coming on the podcast. Always great to have him on. And seems like we've won him over to the Wrexham cause. Finally, 10 years that the National League has worn him down. Uh, But it's time for your favourite regular feature on Fearless in Devotion. History only tells a story where we go back through the archives and and discuss, listen to and discuss some of our favourite uh, Wrexham-related uh, YouTube clips. Uh, other video platforms are available. Ad, uh, Andy, you've picked one this week, haven't you? Yeah, one uh, one from about, well, 22 years ago. Um, one of the first matches I started covering um, when I was uh, a Cub journalist at the Wrexham Mail. Remember that? The free paper that used to come through your door. Not your door, Reese. You probably had the Swansea... South Wales Ad, Ad, Evening Post, biggest selling newspaper in in Wales. Thank you very much. Yeah, in South bigger, Wales, yeah, yeah. But no, in Wales, uh, bigger than the Western Mail, bigger than the Mall. Well, yeah, that's not that's not hard, is it? <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I digress. So, picture the scene. It is 2000. I've gone to Kenilworth Road. Not only that, I've gone with a couple of my mates, Nathan and, and a lad called Paul Barrett who couldn't believe that there was a Paul Barrett in the team. He could believe how shit he was after the first half where Wrexham are 3-0 down. Uh, and to be honest, mate, I'm in the press box. Uh, everyone, you know what Luton fans are like? They're just walking around, you know, they're mock cockney. Ah, oh, it's easy, isn't it? Ah, oh, bloody hell, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and then, 
Second half, it all goes completely the opposite direction as we come back to win 4-3. Absolutely lost my mind. It's not, not so easy now, is it, you slags? <laughs> hey, but what happened next stunned the majority of the 5,000-plus crowd. Trinidadian Carlos Edwards got free and then gave Craig Falkenbridge the sort of service he thrives on. Wrexham's second was of Luton's own making. Peter Holmes clumsily lost possession and Falkenbridge's layoff put Chris Killen clear on goal. Two in four minutes, Luton boss Ricky Hill admitted later he sensed the worst was still to come. And his fears were confirmed with two goals in the last seven minutes. First, Falkenbridge's header only half cleared and midfielder Martin Chalk drove in the equaliser. And then a dramatic winner for man of the match Ferguson. The Scots started and expertly finished the move that pushed Wrexham into the top half of the table and left Luton sliding towards the relegation trap door. After being three, three goals down, you know, to come back the way we did was uh, shows the true spirit within the team. God, there's so much to love about that clip. Oh my God, that that winner. So many things. One, yeah. Darren oh. Ferguson. Two, fun. water splashing when you're passing the ball. Love it. You don't see that much on the pitch anymore. Waterlogged pitches. Three, a Klingsman uh, celebration. Just absolutely loved it. I've, I've also got a good story about that before all that carnage and rabbled. I was having a, a nice a nice burger and a cup of tea in the in that gargantuan away end at Kenilworth Road. And I was chatting. I was in my element. Next minute, I sort of heard this sort of whistle of wind. I was like, what's that? And then wallop, the ball cracked me. In in full blast, the tea went everywhere, sort of second degree burns across my face. Pie went flying. I looked up, and Mark Cartwright is pissing himself laughing because he leathered it. Um, and yeah, so I'm glad that Mark Cartwright conceded three goals and a bit of a stinker that day, just for almost breaking my fucking wrist. I tell you what, that's the only uh, only goal kick he ever got on target, really, wasn't it? Yeah, Let's be nice to be. goalkeepers, please. I won't, I won't hear any of this slagging off of goalkeepers. So can we have enough of that? Liam would have Mark Cartwright in ahead of Mark Howard. I know that much. Hey, listen, I've, listen, just on while we're on the subject of goalkeepers, I thought it got all a bit Isabel Oakshot early with Andy disclosing my uh, my WhatsApp messages. So I've got a poser for you. One person in the WhatsApp group, not naming names, said it's like having Dibble back again. And that's all I'm going to say. No no names given. Um, yeah. Who was right. it? Well, it I, can't, I can't, can't possibly say. Liam isn't a journalist anymore, so he can reveal his sources. He's, he's gone over the bad <laughs> world of PR, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah um, let, let's, go back, let's go back to the, uh, to the clip. Yes. Um, it wasn't me who said that, by the way. But let's go back to the, back to the clip. <laughs> I, I was completely quiet. I was in a foul mood standing in a pub in Maidenhead and I had no time to go on to our... Uh, in his sandals, uh, in his sandals uh, and socks. Um, just remember, that was a, one of the first... As I've already said, it was one of the first times I've ever been in the press box for an away game. And, like, it gets to 3-1, I do a little bit of a cheer. Someone tells me to shut up. 3-2, I go a little bit more sort of animated. Someone absolutely tells me to pipe down free all i stand up i should you shouldn't do that in a, in, a, in a way end but you know it's quite close to the it's quite close to the luton fans someone tries to clip my clip me around the ear 
fair enough. I probably deserved it. The four three. Luckily, there was like flip back seats. I I went to stand up, remembered to go back down, fell into the actual into below the desk and started celebrating there. And I think that's what saved me from a bit a bit of a a bit of a beasting at Kenilworth Road, really. You celebrated under the desk at Kenilworth yes, Road. Yes. And Mark Curry next to me went, bloody idiot. <laughs> bloody idiot. Disgrace. <laughs> On the topic of, of losing press box decorum, we might as well go around the room because I'm sure Liam and Reese have got one. I've definitely got one, but let's come to you two first. Liam, when you've lost My, press box. Mine was probably, I, I've not done that much press box work. However, at, um, funnily enough, at Sheffield United the other week, <laughs> I, I when, you when the one who his, up sharp? Yeah, indeed. When when Mullin was awarded his second um, penalty, penalty uh, I did share a moment with the the Wrexham AFC media team, which which and there were some glances over from Sheffield United fans about eight <laughs> feet away. Um, and then I thought I need to be more professional here. Um, but yeah. I couldn't name the specific game, but I think it was around the season, Gary Mills' first season, I was doing live blogging on matches for the Daily Post, and I'll be honest, I didn't have a clue about press box etiquette, and I'm pretty sure Mark Curry would have definitely criticised me for jumping up for one of them, and Rob Griffiths definitely had to pull me down by the back of my coat on a couple of occasions and shout, sit down! So, uh, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I've definitely been there. There was one I I could only get press accreditation for Wales Russia. Uh, it was uh, Toulouse, wasn't it? Not was it Toulouse? Yeah, yes. it was Toulouse, wasn't it? Uh, anyway, again one nil up. It's a bit of a celebration. Two nil up. I'm going pretty pretty fucking wild. Three nil up. I'm losing my shit, and I'm sitting in a room with loads of Russian journalists. And all I could see this one guy typing because he didn't speak English. He typed into the translator, turned his laptop to me, and it said, "Sit the fuck down." <laughs> <laughs> he was a big fella, so I did. Before revealing his Kalishnikov and say, "You better had hear me." Oh, this bro. isn't. Th- these aren't the lads that came and battered all the England fans <laughs> in uh, with baseball bats, is it? No, these these are Russian press, but the thick neck on him. Um, <laughs> obviously, he obviously had, had dealt with Putin a bit. Come on, Tim, hit me with yours. Oh no, I'm just trying. I just got visualizing this giant Russian, massive like cigar fingers tilting his tiny laptop around you, going, "Okay, um, yeah." So basically, um, when you're a journalist and you do your training, there's this weird thing called the Oxdown Gazette, which is a mythical place. Uh, a mythical paper representing a mythical place. So for some bizarre reason, I didn't get a ticket and I couldn't get a ticket for Wales versus Italy 2001, I think it was. It was the time that we beat them. Um, Simon Davis and Craig Bellamy scored. So I somehow got a press accreditation for the Oxdown Gazette in in, in the Millennium. Oh, well done, <laughs> in, mate. You know, well done. Stunning effort. And I thought, right, well, I've got a dress for the... And, and I met the, the revered uh, Bob Humphreys earlier that day. God rest his soul. Great, great broadcaster. And I had a shirt and tie. And underneath that shirt and tie, I had a, I had a Wales top on. And it was a very garish, um, kappa, skin-tight, uh, yellow and blue kappa one. So, so when Bellamy scores, I literally lost it. And I'm pretending to t- type mythical stuff for the mythical Oxdown Gazette. And that was it. I was up on my feet. I did a bit of a Superman moment, ripped the buttons off my shirt to reveal his Wales top. 
I'm like, what am I doing? So all the boys from like Reuters and everything were like, ah, can you please sit down or leave? I'm like, I, I don't know why they did that voice, but um, yeah. So that was my my weird Superman losing the decorum moment of the press box. Are you now banned from Oxdown? I'm banned from Oxdown, the Millennium Stage, and probably as well. I don't know. I don't know. I was there. It's all that matters. Well, there we go. Andy, thank you for that um, clip. Uh, if anyone's got any other suggestions for clips, please get in touch. Contact us on Twitter or email, F-I-D-Z-I-N-E at gmail.com. Yes, and we've had an email, actually. We've had go a couple. We've had, we've had some messages from people um, asking us, you know, can we interview some of the Wrexham players? Um, and we just wanted to reassure our, our listeners that we have asked the club quite a few times if we could interview any players. Um However, we've told that the club's policy is that uh, players are not allowed on any podcasts. Um, Liam, right. that's, that's true, isn't it? Yeah, I've never gosh, seen one. I, gosh, I am, I am glad that you asked me that, Reese, because I had not in any way prepared for this segment of the uh, show. But if you were to ask me just off the top of my head, I would say, well, there was Christian Dibble on the regulars podcast. What date was it? April 14th, 2021. Owen Jackson, the Fitness Federation podcast, September 2021. Ben Tozer, did you say? The late kickoff podcast, January 2022. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not labouring a point, but Luke Young, the Argyle podcast, November 2022. Ollie Palmer, Pitchside Live, November 2022. Elliot Lee, Ollie Palmer, and Mark Howard, the Pitchside podcast, February of this very year. The prosecution rests. What we need to do is we need we all need to get some English accents, uh, a YouTube channel, and start asking Ollie Palmer how many goals he'd bang in the Premier League. Oh, this this was a curveball, wasn't expecting, and there therein goes my uh, my meeting with the club's uh, media department next week, probably <laughs> no doubt. So, um, oh, right. no, no, I, I mean it it, it 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 is a minor whinge. Yes, we are trying, and it is unfortunate. Well, it's not unfortunate. I mean. You know, other other. I just, I just like to interrupt you there, Tim. There's been no whinge whatsoever. We've just stated what the club's policy is and and some yes. context. Well, the, the the other eagles of various of the podcasts are circling, aren't they? And, and they've they've had their their moments. So, you know, as my friend um, uh, once pointed out, cream does indeed rise to the top. So hopefully, we will get our moments in the sun at some stage. That's hopefully. probably why it's not happening, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> we're, yeah. we're gone off. The cream, the cream is curdling on the on the side of Oxdown somewhere. <laughs> the curdling um, cream podcast. Everybody was yeah, on that. that might be also, also, I was interested to see um, the two fan led podcasts from Notts County get interviews with their owners last week. There's a giant thought bubble above Reese's head that says, "Hint, hint, drop in the." I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, I like on that. to predictions. On to predictions for next week. Uh, Andy, uh, talk to us. I predict we're not going to get any uh, bloody current players due to that little segment. Um, uh, I also predict that... Uh, right, who we got? We're dagging them away. I'm going, oh, shit. I'm taking loads of people from work. There's about 15 of us. Um, do you know when you sort of really sort of guarantee against the worst? And so you've got 15 people together and you have to like sit them down on a tube and say, right, you know, we never really do well at Dagenham. We're not really doing well in... In, mid, in, in midfield at the moment, you know, the keeper might be a bit suspect. Defensively, we could be a bit all over the place. Um, so I'm trying desperately that that won't happen. But after Saturday's performance, I've got a sort of feeling this could be a really, really tough, scruffy game. 
Um, I do think we, 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 we will win, though, but I don't think it will be a free-flowing masterclass, and I'll have a lot of people in work saying, mm, that was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? I don't care. As long as we win, we're going to win 2-1. Uh, and then who we got on Saturday, it's home to Southend. Uh, we, we know quite well that teams in disarray can sometimes pull it together and really galvanise and get like a, a proper good win. Um, look, as Adam said earlier, there's going to be some ups and downs, and I wouldn't be surprised if we drew that one. Um, I think we'll win away against Daggers, and I think we'll we'll draw at home to Southend. I'm going for one each. Next three games, massive. Puff as well. Dagging them away, Southend at home, Bromley away, which I'm terrified about. I think come out of that with seven points, and we that, that title is almost definitely ours. Um Dagenham really makes me nervous on Tuesday, but I think we've got a few monkeys off our back this season. A couple of places that we've usually struggled at that we've managed to get a win at Eastleigh, for example. Um, so I'm going to say older shots always been a bogey place, but we managed to scrape that one out of the barrel somehow. Um, so I'm going to say that we're going to go down to Dagenham. We're going to win. I'm going to say a, a, a nervy two one. Um, and I think we'll beat South end two. I think we'll win at home. We'll maintain that record, keep that record going, get back on track after that walking draw. Um, I'm going to say 3-1 against Southend, but that is that Bromley game that makes me scared. Oh, dear me. Um, we're 34 points ahead of Dagenham. So on that basis, we're probably going to lose, but I'm going to... We owe Dagenham one after last season, so I think we'll sneak it. We'll sneak a one nil at Dagenham. And then Southend, um, I don't think it's going to be a pretty one. Um, they're there or thereabouts, playoff-wise, but I still fancy us to do it. And we need a clean sheet. But the clean sheet would be at Dagenham, so it'll be a 2-1 win against Southend. I'm going to go for a bit unpopular, but a one-all draw at Dagenham. Just think it's another another cursed, cursed ground for us. Um, so it'll be one all draw and the Daily Star to do a headline about Lord Lucan riding Shergar onto the pitch whilst Paul Mullins threw on goal. Um, and then for the South End game, I'm going to go for a 2-0 win to us and keep a nice clean sheet at home. We've also scored, we've also scored 90 goals now. I completely forgot that that little achievement has been unlocked. 90 goals in 35 games. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. And guys, if you're listening, we're still in the lead. We're still a point ahead and we're going to win the league, maybe. Um, But thanks for listening and speak to you all. (laughs) Andy's inspired. I hope you are too. Uh, We'll we'll, uh, speak to you all next week. Enjoy Andy's party of 15. Take it easy. Yeah, we'll, we'll try. Love you really, Mark Howard. We'll be back next week on the podcast with Ryan Reynolds and Paul Mullin. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Reynolds and Greg Mullin, you mean? (laughs) 